Welcome to Momentum Church. Still get us there on time. Lean back. Actually, just super, super, super excited about next Sunday as Pastor Stephanie has announced. So we're going to have a really nice time on the front porch with some refreshments. And those coming back for membership class, man, to be able to have people partner and link arms and say that I'm not just casually a part of a movement or a part of a church, it's a powerful, powerful thing. And so be there next week. If you feel like God is linking your heart to this house, we want to be able to spend some time with you, all right? And so I want you this morning, I've done something on Monday, I just really was feeling my spirit and I I reached out to the staff and I was like, I don't want any front row, I I want to remove the front row of the church. And so we have removed the front row. Pastor, what, what in the world is that about? I am just wanting this space today to be a consecrated place, amen? This, this, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't take all that. I get it, but there's something about saying, Lord, hear me right now, me right here, what I'm going through, what I'm experiencing. There's just something about making space and inviting the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit to do what He desires. Amen? Amen? And so I, I don't know what all God's going to do today, but I really believe that God wants to touch his people today in a powerful and significant way. But I don't want it to be about fluff. Amen? I don't want it to be just about God's going to bless you. God's going to give you your next thing. Come on, somebody. I believe God wants to bless you, and I believe God wants to give you your next thing, but I have not come in here this morning to preach to you as your pastor. I've come here, and I've never said this before, ever. I don't think, I know I've never said it in 30 years of preaching. I'm not standing before you as a pastor. I'm standing before you as a prophet of God in this house this morning. Amen? I want you to open your Bibles to Jeremiah. Get them open. Get them open. Jeremiah, come on, chapter 31. And, and we're looking at this series of recalculating and, in a sense, traveling in life. And I don't know about y'all. If I was going to go on a trip and the road signs were removed, the signposts were changed. A few weeks ago, I went to Long Island for a funeral, for a, a memorial. I would have been upset if I'd have got to the spot and 85 North was labeled as 85. Exactly. Wouldn't you be upset? Now, I would hope that your bearings would realize it pretty quick. But every one of us, you want to head to Roswell, you don't want to end up in Ackworth. Amen? It'd be a cruel... Hold on, who's from Ackworth? 
We love you. We, Heather, we love you. Only person. No, we love everybody in Ackworth. No, but you, you don't, whatever you're going toward, you want to be sure those signs are getting you there. And it would be an act of mal, mal, malficence or, 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 or an evil act. For somebody to remove those signs, to mess the signs up, to change the signs. Amen? And so I just want to say this. We are living in a time right now where right is left and left is right. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just everything seems backwards in our world. It just is crazy. Up is down and down is I need some people preaching back in here to me today. Amen? It's just how it feels in our, in our society, in our world, things that we see in the news. Righteousness is seen as evil, and unrighteousness is seen as good. Is this the world we live in? Come on, somebody. Amen. Amen. Tolerance is deified. Pastor, what's that mean? It's made to be God. Tolerance is deified, and a biblical standard is viewed as bigotry. This is the world that we're living in. This is the world that his church is occupying right now. And this is very similar to the world that Jeremiah was experiencing as the nation of Israel was moving away from what God had called them to. Amen? Let's stand to our feet. I want to look at Jeremiah chapter 31. In 626 B.C., God begins to speak through Jeremiah to call Israel back to a place of repentance, to call Israel back to the place of being the people that those pagan nations could look at and say, that's God's covenant people. That, there's something special on those, those people. There's something different about those people. But what had happened, they had forsaken God by worshiping the idols of Baal to the degree, as Pastor Brantley said last week, to the degree of even burning their babies as sacrifices to the idol Baal. I mean, the nation it had deviated so far from God's laws that it had broken the covenant with God, in a sense, they tried to break that. And God is saying, I'm about to withdraw my power, my plan, my purpose. I'm about to withdraw this upon these people. And Jeremiah, you need to go. And through tears as a prophet, you need to call these people with a clarion call back to what I have for them. Amen? And so Jeremiah 31, we're going to go to verse 21 through 23. I'll probably stop at 20, 22. It says, set up road markers for yourself. How important are road markers? Amen. We kind of covered that. Make yourself guideposts. Consider well the highway. Everybody say consider well. And other translations will say direct your mind. When it says consider well, direct your mind regarding the highway that you're traveling. Regarding the path that you are on. The signs that you are following. It says Consider the well, the well, the highway. Return to these your cities. Now watch this. This is wild. How long will you waver, O faithless daughter? And I love that God, you'll see a couple times today, that he is fatherly. And when he brings this rebuke, he is loving. How long, daughter? You're my daughter. You're my offspring. You're the one that I've covenant relationship with. How long will you be faithless? 
Another translation, the Message Bible. I enjoy sometimes reading the Message Bible just because it looks at things a little different. Here's how it says, verse 22. How long will you flit here and there, indecisive? How long before you make up your fickle mind? Man, the message just like went like that, didn't it? It was just like, make up your fickle mind. I mean, it was like, I love, ugh. And sometimes when we read things like that, and it's like, yeah, they ought to do that. And I'm here to say, yeah, Ross ought to do that. Ross ought to consider the highway that I'm on. Ross ought to make up his physical mind. Ross ought to look at the road sign and double check. Am I going the right way in light of how this world is going? Am I God's covenant person in this earth to make a difference? Or am I sacrificing things to the idol of Baal in our culture today? Because the road markers have been moved in our world. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would just anoint today. Prepare our hearts to receive from you. We invite the Holy Spirit just to move in this house. Holy Spirit, you have your way here. Holy Spirit, you challenge. Holy Spirit, you convict. Holy Spirit, you inspire. Holy Spirit, you empower. We ask you to have your way, Holy Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, everybody a big amen. You can have your seat. <laughs> and so we can look at the world and say the road markers have been moved. Here's the problem, though. It's not about the world. It's not about what they are doing. Amen? The concern here should be us to consider the highway that we are on. This was God's people he was giving this challenge to. It was not the pagans. It was not those worshiping Baal outside of those who were supposed to be in covenant. It was those who were in covenant that were not considering well their ways. And somehow the church at large, I believe, here's an issue. The church at large presents a Christianity that begins with man and man's need. Well, Jesus came to meet our needs. Right? Yeah, I, I get that. But the crux of Christianity, and I am at fault as a pastor as much as anyone. I do not point my finger today. The Lord has pointed his finger at my heart all week long. Amen? But at large, we present Christianity, a Christianity that begins with man and man's needs. And then we look around for God, who like the genie in Aladdin's lamp, is ready to act at the believer's beckoning call. You're going to get saved for what you can get. I get it. I don't want to go to hell. Amen? So in a sense, yes, I'm getting saved for what I can get. I get to, to trade the fires of hell for the kingdom of God, both in the future and heaven, but even his power and authority and his kingdom here on earth. I, I, I get that. But sometimes God's people, we get so used to covenant, I'm supposed to walk in all of these things, and we present covenant, we present a relationship with Jesus in such a way that the apex of that relationship is you, not him. The apex of that relationship is Ross, not Jesus. I don't know about y'all, Ross, Jesus, ooh. I like Jesus. Amen? It just sounds even better. Amen? Like, like he's the focus. It's not you. It's not me. We don't point people to the narrow way. You know why? Because traffic is too good on the Broadway. 
traffic is too good on the way that is wide. And we're moving fine on the broad path. The broad path preaching a gospel that's more about us than about him. The broad path of preaching a gospel that is so careful. we got to be careful we don't challenge anybody too much. They just might leave the church. Amen? Guys, listen, if you've been here a long time, you know we don't bash you. Amen? We're not like, you filthy, dirty sinner. Get right or get left. You know, that's not us. Amen? That's just not our heart. But on the other side, we're not going to be a house that makes a mockery of God's grace. When God says, consider your way, is it broad or is it narrow? And we've preached a gospel too often that it's so broad, it doesn't matter. Well, God is saying through the prophet Jeremiah, if you're in covenant with me, it matters. Now, if you're not in covenant, have at it. Amen. I, I never look at anybody out in the world with disdain. My dad taught me something when I was a kid, and I loved it. He said, Ross, he said, dogs bark, cats meow, sinner sin. And you know what? We're, I get it. The whole idea of sinner saved by grace. My dad hated that statement. He's like, I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner saved by grace. Now I'm the righteousness of God. Now I'm the seed of Abraham. Now I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not, you know, like them old preachers, you know, above and not beneath. Hallelujah. But there was something to that. There was something about saying that's the covenant we're supposed to be in. One that causes us to stand out for his glory. One that causes our covenant relationship that not just all he has, but all he is. Starts to be seen in our lives. Jeremiah is coming and speaking to this people because the road markers had moved and they weren't concerned about the narrow path. They had just allowed everything that they wanted to, 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 to melt into the community. And then everything the community wanted to melt into them. And it was watering down this covenant group of people. So if we're not careful, that broad path, preaching a gospel that isn't even the gospel of Scripture. And what it leads to is weak Christianity. And what weak Christianity leads to is humanism. You know what humanism is, right? That you can fix it all. That everything's about you. That you are literally the son of your universe. And everything encircles around you as a human. Amen? That's humanism. But I know there's a greater son in our universe. Amen? Not S-U-N, S-O-N. I mean, I know that I'm not the one that everything centers around. Here's the problem with humanism. And if we preach a gospel of humanism, it will fail us. If we only allow us to embrace a gospel of humanism, it will fail us. If we're at the center and it's all about us and what God's just going to do for us, it will fail us. Humanism fails to meet the true longing of man's soul to be right in the eyes of his God. As humanism, you'll always be looking for something more, something more, something more, something more. Rather than realizing, no, I have found the one period that I'm looking for now. How, God, will you shape me? Humanism fails to meet the longing of man's soul to be empowered by something higher than his own will and his own ability. If I just try harder, I can get past this. And you know what? I want you trying hard to walk in the things of God. I do. But humanism would say, if you just do a little better, I don't want you to do a little better. I want you to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. 
I don't want you to wake up in the morning going, I'm going to try today, God. No, I want you to wake up in the morning going, God, I can't. But if you'll fill me with the Holy Ghost, I know today I can walk in your strength. Humanism would say it's you. And man, it'll fail us because our abilities and our will will never be enough. Humanism fails to truly meet the longing of man's soul to have a purpose bigger than themselves. And I believe if we're not careful, myself included as pastors, we can preach a gospel of humanism rather than a gospel that is truly what Scripture teaches. This good news that Jesus came to set you free. This good news that Jesus came to broke the, break the bondages off of you so that you can live in that covenant relationship in such a way that the pagans, if you will, the world, the others will see and know that you are his and he is yours. So we are. We are in times of extraordinary crisis in our world. And when there's extraordinary crisis, ordinary measures will not suffice. And so that's why we have space today. That's why the Lord has tormented me in a good way all week. As he's invited us to a place to recalibrate our lives according to his plan for us. As Jeremiah said, we have to consider well the highway. We have to be a people who put the road signs back in our life and recalibrate to get back on track and back on the covenant course that God has called us to travel on. Nobody can do that for you. You can see the implied, you consider your highway. You direct your mind in regards to the road signs that you are following and the path that you are on. We're living in a time of spiritual crisis. And I believe alone, Christians, that's it. I believe that we alone are in position to rescue the lost on the highways of humanism and blind tolerance but will his church consider their ways amen will ross consider his highway the path he's walking on the things that i walk allow walk with me the things i walk toward the things that i see a road sign and i i'm gonna turn that and i'm still gonna just do what i want to do any anyhow No, no, we can't do that. We dare not settle down to try to live as if things are just normal. Because listen, things are not normal right now. Amy and I, because of COVID, not because we were worried that the kids would get COVID, but we kept our kids home the last two years. We did that because I didn't want them to start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. And that actually happened in a few of the classes that Maverick and Arden would have been in. And we just wanted them to matriculate very consistently. But now it's time to get him back into school. And so we sent Arden to public school. And on her first day of school, she comes home and says, there's a little boy in my class. He has a ponytail. Sometimes boys wear ponytails. You know what? Sometimes they do. Ted Nugent, good ponytail. <laughs> Just saying. Sometimes, you know, and, and, and you're going to hear my heart in this here in a second, okay? So I'm not like sitting here just being ugly. But a ponytail is purple and, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And um, the next day, she comes back. He is so much fun. He has taught me how to talk sassy. He had two ponytails today, a blue and a purple one. And he had, you know, bright shirt and pants. And, you know, he's, he's sassy. I said, what's sassy mean? Stop that, girlfriend. Oh, no, you didn't. She said, sassy's fun. I said, listen, <laughs> 
you can play sassy, but you don't be sassy with mom and daddy, and you don't be sassy to your teachers. You know, I, I, she's, oh, no, 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 we just do it for, for pretend. It's just fun. What's your buddy's name? He said, call him Ashley. My wife's looking at me like, you shouldn't be telling this story. I'm sorry, I'm telling this story, okay? And it's going to go somewhere here, okay? So my heart is like, Lord, the normative nature of this in a seven-year-old's heart, my daughter, what is this going to shape in her? Right is wrong, wrong is right, up is down, down is up. What is this, what's this, what's this going to shape? And my heart is compassionate, so I'm thinking, poor little guy. It's easy to think, oh, what, what was mom and dad thinking? I get the teachings of the day. I understand the flow of our world right now. I was appreciative of the she, her person that gave me my coffee last week at Starbucks, and I was so kind and so gracious. I even complimented she on her eyes. I didn't. I didn't. But it was a sweet guy. He was. He was a, I'm not going to be ugly. Amen? I just am chalking it up. Our world is different. Our world is changing. Arden comes home the next day. And, and long story short, after a couple days of this, Arden's like, yeah, we're not really friends much anymore. I said, why? She goes, I get tired of pretending to be sassy. Okay. And the Lord's just kind of taking care of that. My concerns were unfounded. On Friday, the last day of school, she said a little girl in her class was trying to get her to believe something. And she goes, I don't believe that. And the girl said, well, if you don't believe it, you can't be my friend. And Arden goes, well, I guess we're not friends. And then I was like, okay. She got a little strong, little strong attitude. And, you know, I'm not going to, I'm pretty happy about that. So now I know I have all y'all freaked out. If you're watching online, you're freaked out. I'm probably going to get hate mail and all this kind of stuff. And I don't care. You can send it to Brantley at Momentum Church. <laughs> dot tv <laughs> but here's what i want you to understand okay because you might be sitting there saying i can't believe that a parent would encourage a seven-year-old little boy to fully embrace transgenderism at his age you may say that but i'm not here this morning to say look how far off the world has gotten that's not what i'm here no no jeremiah wasn't preaching to the pagan nations killing their babies he was preaching to the house of israel who was killing their babies does that make sense I, my heart is compassionate that family's only doing what that family thinks is best. I get it. I understand. It breaks my heart. This is where our world is coming. But what is the church doing? And I'm not saying that we need to pick it and stand. And no, no, no. I'm saying that we need to be empowered to live radically in our world in a way that allows people to see the covenant of God, the, the change of God, the power, the love of God even. I've never had a problem ministering to people that are out there doing all sorts of crazy things. And when I walk away, I feel they're convicted and loved, and they know that. No, that was them. It was the house of Israel that was killing their babies. And today, it's kind of a weird talk to do in August. We usually do a net-type series that's really just nice and love on getting, you know, people come back from, from and, and all I could think of was all week was, that's not what the church needs. It's what humans need. It's not what God needs his people to walk in. It's not what God needs his people to be empowered by. Amen? <clears throat> See, the word says judgment begins in the house of the Lord. So we're not going to look outside. No, no, no. We're going to look inside. What is God trying to birth in and through us that just like the nation of Israel, we keep aborting? 
What is God trying to birth in and through us as his people? But we're taking that thing he's trying to birth and we're presenting it to Baal. And we're allowing that thing that God's trying to birth in us to die to the idolatry of whatever. Fill in the blank. For them, it was the idol of Baal. For us, I don't know what it might be for you. I don't know what it, I, I know some of the things for me. But I don't want to allow those babies to die, if you will. Because I believe God's wanting to birth some babies in this world through his church. God is wanting to birth salvation. Amen? He's wanting to touch lives and change lives. Not only does he want to save them, he wants to free them up from all the stuff they've walked in. God is wanting to birth deliverance. I believe that God, there are people going through needs. And that God wants to birth signs and wonders in his house. Amen? I believe that when it comes down to it, God wants to birth the power that comes only from seeking and hungering for a move of the Holy Spirit upon our lives. He wants to birth that. There's things he wants to birth, but I believe if we allow the road markers to just be so moved in our lives that we're not even considering well our highway, our path, the way in which we're going, how can we look at a world and say, I can't believe them when we are not organizing, if you will, or or recalibrating our life in such a way to say, God, what are you going to do in my life today? What do you want from me today? How should I live today? How should I walk today? What should I say today? I'm not my own. I'm yours. How should that look? Because you're God. I'm yours. And we're in covenant. And that changes everything. Let's not again be God's people offering his babies. What he's bringing into the earth. Offering his babies to Baal. Amen. That sounds radical, Pastor. You're right. I already told you these are not normal times. And when things aren't normal, a normal response isn't enough. Amen. These are radical times, and a radical response, I believe, is appropriate. Not just appropriate, I believe, for the house of God, for us that call ourselves believers, it's not just appropriate, a radical response is necessary. And so what does that radical response look like? If I had a title today's sermon, and I'm going to tell you right now, you know what today's sermon was supposed to be called? It was supposed to be called... You're not lost if you have GPS. God's positioning system. Oh, that's good. And it was going to be on the Holy Spirit. And it was going to be a good sermon. But what is it going to be the prophetic word God wants us to hear? Amen? And so on Monday, I scratched it. Okay, Lord, what are you saying? Because I'm feeling a stirring. Oh, God, I don't want to come that strong. But I just felt like he said, come that strong. Say, preach, prophet, preach. I've never said that before. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> That's weird. <laughs> so here's the, the title of the sermon, okay? If you want a title. You're like, is he just getting to his title? We're, we're going to go through this pretty quick. It's recalculating for radical spiritual living. Recalculating for radical spiritual living. I'll tell you where we're going. If we're going to recalculate for radical spiritual living, we have to walk in repentance. We have to have some recommitments to some things. Amen. And we got to walk in renewal, that touch from the power of the Holy Spirit. Repentance, recommitment, and renewal. That's where we're headed, Jeremiah 3, verse 19. I said, how I would set you among my sons. Now watch this. I love this. Like I said, he's talking about the faithless daughter. Now he's referring to Israel as his sons. This is a good father that's challenging us to greater things. 
And this is all in Jeremiah. It's all speaking to the same group of people at the same time. I said how I would set you among my sons and give you a pleasant land, a heritage most beautiful of all nations. And I thought you would call me my father. Giving you all this stuff. I want so much for you. And I thought you would say, thanks, Dad. Thanks, Father. And you would not turn from following me. Oh, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get to that sign and stop considering your ways and, and then just keep going when you know it's the wrong direction. You wouldn't turn from following me. You were supposed to be walking this way, and now you have turned. Many of you know I've preached it before. The Greek word is metanoe. It just means that, that, that change in direction, that turning, that change of mind that leads to change of actions. That's the word for repentance. It's not a 360-degree turn. It's a 180-degree turn. I was listening to a street preacher on Wednesday night. Amy and I got home. I think it was Wednesday night. And I went out on my motorcycle for a little bit. No, I think it was Friday. It was Friday night because the streets were full. And there was a guy downtown preaching. And usually I hate that just because it's usually get right, get left, turn, burn, fire, brimstone, you know. And I turned my motorcycle off and I was listening. Man, he was doing a good job, at least the part I was listening to. And a few boys, 12, 13 years old, were gathered around him. And they were laughing with him. And it was a, a truly good moment. And he was asking if they knew what repentance was. And they said, you know what a 360 slam dunk is, don't you? Yeah, yeah, they got all excited. Well, 360 is not repentance. That's going, I'm doing this, I know this isn't what I'm supposed to do, and I'm continuing to do it, you know. And I got a picture in my head when he said it. It's like church. It's like, I go to church, oh, I feel good. Mm, mm, hallelujah, oh, I feel good. Okay, I'm just keep doing what I'm doing. Get a 360. No, no. He said, guys, he said that, 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 that it's a 180 degree turn. He said, I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And, and, and then, and then it, it, he, he, <clears throat> he went on. He's like, have you, ever watched, have you ever looked at pornography? Well, obviously, the 12, 13-year-old boys were just embarrassed. You know, their faces are blushing. A little black kid blushing. I mean, like, they were blushing hard. You know what I'm saying? They were, just, they were so cute. And I could tell, like, he grabbed their minds right then, you know. <laughs> and, um, but, but listen to what Jeremiah 6.16 says. They have healed the wound of my people lightly. I'm going to come back into this and teach a little bit more, just a little bit. But I'm just going to read it quick first. Saying, peace, peace, when there's no peace. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. And you know, when I saw those little guys, I was so thankful they still could blush. Amen? They were still at that age of innocence where, yeah, they probably have struggled some things and this and that, but they're still at that age where it's like, oh, there's a road marker in their heart. And I'm not targeting a sin. There's so many different things that we deal with. But there's a road marker you know what that girl did to me? I can't believe it. I'll tell her a piece of my mind when I see her, and you're telling it to five friends. And at one time, I probably shouldn't say this. This might be gossip. But now it's just, don't even blush. Doesn't even work up a sweat. Just, can I give you a little thing about gossip? If somebody says to you, you've already told me this, and they let off with, hey, don't tell anybody. Let me tell you something. And they've already told you it. They've told a bunch of people. Because <laughs> they can't keep track of who all they've told already. 
You're not special. You're just letting garbage ears hear garbage words, right? So like, 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 no, no, you've already told me this. We don't need to talk about this right now. You know, that, that's, does that make sense? I'm just saying, whenever somebody goes, have I told you this already? Don't tell anybody. I get a little circumspect every time. So these young men, they did still blush, and that's a powerful thing. And so what I'm speaking to is repentance here. This turning that if there's things in our lives and our hearts, and it may not be over sin that we need to repent of. It could be just our spiritual laziness. It could just be our lethargy that we won't do one thing about. Amen? It could be the thing that God has placed his finger on in your life that you need to shift up, but you're not willing to shift that thing up. But God is speaking to change. It may not even be sin. It's just, I want something different for you. He can speak that. Amen? In Colossians 1.13, it says, He's delivered us from the domain of darkness, and He's transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son. That's a turning from darkness to light. And we daily are at the crossroads of light and darkness, right and wrong, holy and the defiled. And if we as God's people don't consider our ways, how can we ever look at the world and be like, I can't believe them? Amen? We've got to consider our ways. That's repentance. So the first thing is repentance. The second, recalculating for radical spiritual living. The second thing we need is a recommitment. The act of recommitting. I looked up the word commit. It's the state or quality of being dedicated to a cause, an activity, or a person. Jeremiah was challenging the nation of Israel. Who are you dedicated to? The God that brought you out of Egypt? Or this Baal created by men's hands? But the majority of the people around us feel like that's who you're supposed to worship. In other words, the majority of the people around you feel like this is the truths that are supposed to be embraced. Well, I'm sorry, I'm not going to sacrifice what God's trying to create in our lives, in my life, based on the truths of this world that have come through blind tolerance. I want to recommit to being dedicated to His cause and the activities of God and the person of Jesus. Amen? Another thing for a commitment is this. A commitment is a pledge that restricts freedom of action. Wait a second. I thought Jesus brings us freedom. You know where it says where the spear of the Lord is, there is liberty? It's not a great translation. It, it's, it's where the spirit of the Lord is Lord, there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is. But it's the idea of his lordship in our lives is what brings that freedom. And so a Lord is somebody we serve. He's our master. We are, the Bible says we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We're not our own. So when it comes, I don't have freedom of action. Well, I can just do as I please. Humanism. Let's let the world be all the humanists that they want. But let's not be humanists in the church. Amen? In the church, let us be those that cry at an altar, God, help me to recommit to you. Help me on the path that I'm going, that I stay going straight, that I stay going forward. Help me realize it's not about me, but it's all about you. Don't let me be a humanist. Let me be holy before you as a child of God. <clears throat> and so it restricts freedom of action when we make a recommitment. There's things I can do. There's things I can't do. Things I can say, things I can't say. Amen? 
Acts 2.38 gives us a picture of that. It says, repent. That's a commitment. I'm repenting. I'm making a decision. I'm repenting. There's a commitment. But then it's a change of action, right? It's, it's, it, it, I'm not free just to do what I want. It says, repent and be baptized. That's an action. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a thing up here. The only reason why I'm doing this is because I think this is key. I think this is important. And I've said this a few weeks ago, not as strong. You don't have a choice. If you profess faith in Jesus and there's a time to be baptized, be baptized. Well, does that save me? No, it doesn't save you. It makes you obedient. And you know what obedient children do? They follow on the path of their father. And the father sets things out in such a way that they have an inheritance and they walk in all that the father has. As the scripture has shown, he's trying to give the nation of Israel and he's trying to give us. I just want to shake you up a little bit and say, repent and be baptized. Like I have professed faith in Jesus, but I've never went public. I'm going public, but I'm scared. I'm going public. doesn't matter. I don't have that freedom of action. Jesus said be baptized. I'm going to be baptized. That's just one little example. Amen? So, scan the code, and we're going to get you wet next week in Jesus' name. Amen? Jeremiah 6, 16. I want to go back into this. They have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. When I read that earlier in the week, I was like, that's the modern gospel? We're healing the wounds of people lightly. We're putting a salve on something rather than seeing that thing deep down into the core be healed and worked out. Amen? And again, I don't think you get people saved by just screaming about their sin. If you're here and you're not a believer and you're full in sin, awesome! Because it won't get you happy. It won't take you anywhere but to the cross, and that's okay. It'll lead you to Jesus because it doesn't ever bear fruit. And we'll always want to come to Jesus, and we'll lead you to the Lord, and you'll start to grow. I'm saying for us who call ourselves believers, but we have just gotten to that place where we've stopped considering the road signs, the highway, the path that we're on. And God does expect. Don't you expect more? If your 16-year-old was still needing spoon-fed, you'd be a little bit frustrated. You ought to be driving a car by now. And I still got to give you your peas, little, little, precious, little precious prince, my little precious prince. No, that's not. God's a father. And he wants us to mature and to grow. That's what I'm speaking to. But we as the modern church, we've preached a different gospel. So easy. Just peace, peace. When there is no peace. Listen, verse 15. Where, where they, were they ashamed and when they committed a, 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 I can't talk, abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They didn't know how to blush. We're going to keep going now, the rest of the scripture. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall at the time that I punish them. They shall be overthrown, says the Lord. And we know this is what happened down the road because they didn't change. Verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look. And ask for the ancient pass where the good way is. And walk in it. And find rest for your souls. That sounds good, huh? The road signs leading you to these things that God has. But watch what it says. But they said, we will not walk in it. Oh, you evil father God, how horrible are you? 
No, he's, like, he's calling him son and daughter, and I'm a dad, and I want to give you an inheritance, and I want you blessed, and I want rest for your soul. I'm not coming to be evil. I just want to benefit your life and have this covenant relationship back and forth, but you don't want it. We will not walk in it. This is where I've come to call out us. Verse 17, I set watchmen over you, saying, pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. And Today I stand before you like Jeremiah, saying, pay attention to this clarion call. And guess what? I'm not the only watchman. Daddy's mama's in the house. If you're single and you're friends, you're the watchman for them. You're the watchman for your house. You're the watchman for the people that you are. are everybody leads somebody. Somebody's looking to you. I'm challenging us to be watchmen, not to look at the world. I can't believe. I can't believe them. No, no, no. God, I don't want to be the person that says, I will not pay attention. I want to be a watchman. Pay attention to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, we will not pay attention. Man, you know what they did in that moment? They cancel culture. Jeremiah. I'm serious. We won't receive the truth that you're saying, and they cut him off. Listen, you can try and cancel truth all you want. Go ahead and try to kill truth. Put truth in a grave, and what will happen? Truth will kick the bottom out the coffin and will beat the pallbearers back to the house every time. Truth is truth. Amen? Don't, you can try to cancel it. They try to cancel Jeremiah. We will not pay attention. No, no, no. It doesn't matter. It's still truth. So repentance. Where's our hearts? Recommitment. Where's our actions? Where's our commitment? And then finally, recalculating for radical spiritual living. Renewal. Renewal. This isn't something you can do. This is something all the Holy Spirit does. It's the replacing or repair of something that is worn out, run down, or broken. And I believe the humanistic gospel that churches espouse, that we embrace, that we just can't wait to hear our next televangelist talk about, all those things. I believe it's broken down. It's worn out. Proverbs twenty two twenty eight. Do not move the ancient landmark that your fathers have set. That's what he says. Get that road sign back up. Recalculate. Get, the, get, get this back up to where you're going in the right direction. <clears throat> And with renewals, we have a heart to recalibrate. The Holy Spirit will come and he'll begin to do that work in us. Amen? Peter, on the day of Pentecost, he was challenged by God. All those 120 in the upper room, 40 days prior, challenged by God. Or 10 days prior, challenged by God. Or No, I was right the first time. My brain's not working. Challenged by God to wait in the city until the power of God came upon them. Now, these are Christians, if you will. These are people that follow Jesus. Those disciples had seen miracles at the ends of their hands. They had seen bread multiplied. They had got a coin out of the fish's mouth and was able to feed their taxes at one miraculous moment. I mean, these people have done. Jesus blew on them right before he left. And they begin to move out and do ministry. I mean, they, and even with all that, well, I'm already a believer. Do I need more? Yes. If Peter, James, John, and the other 117 people in that upper room needed a touch of the Holy Spirit, guess what? We do too. We need renewal. Amen? And so they 
began to seek God and didn't exactly know what was going to happen and the power of God fell. And we often teach about the day of Pentecost, but you know, three more times in the book of Acts, they sought God and the power of God fell upon them. It wasn't just a one and done, well, I've got mine. It wasn't just that. No, no. They were hungry. There was different experiences, things they went through where the power of God came again. He said, as Jesus is basically telling them, it's not just enough for the Spirit to be upon you all. I want the Spirit to be in you. I want the Spirit to fill you to overflowing. And so we're going to finish. Let's stand to our feet. Acts 4, and we're going to go back into worship. <clears throat> Acts 4, 23. Peter and James have been called before the sound... Or, or, or James and John have been called before the Sanhedrin. They're, they're being lambasted for preaching the gospel. Peter's being lambasted for preaching the gospel. And they call them before the Sanhedrin, and they're, they're just, just wailing on them as far as you can't preach in the name of Jesus. And they finally released them. And when they are released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of your, our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? Verse 26, The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. You can see in this passage there's tension there in the community. There's just tension. This is a world in crisis right now. This is a world that needs an empowered group of people empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? And they just received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And now here again, they come together after being attacked. In verse 29, and here's the prayer. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand. Here's some things God's wanting to birth. Your hand to heal and signs and wonders that are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In other words, do this. We're facing all this, but God, have your way with us. In verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Not because of their own ability, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So I've just created space up here for us to seek God. Amen? Some of you are going to come for hearts of repentance. Some of you are going to come for, for hearts that, that you're crying out to holy God to fill you with the powerful presence of His Holy Spirit. Amen? Some of you, you will come up here and just give recommitments to things in the Lord. Some of you will come to this altar and pray for our country. Amen? pray for your city and pray for your family and pray in an atmosphere of expectancy that the Holy Spirit's going to come and bring a renewal. Amen? All I'm saying is this is a holy place and this is your place with God. This is God's place with you as we go back into worship. I want to say it this way. The reason why we need a renewal from the Holy Spirit, people filled with the Holy Spirit will continue to practice repentance. When you're considering your ways and you're seeking that renewal of Him, 
you will walk in repentance. People filled with the Holy Spirit will possess daily commitment. When you're considering your ways and you're not forgetting the path you're on and you're, you're, you're conscious, what, Lord, where are we going today? What are we doing today? How's this? Am I in the right path? Am I going the right way? People like that, they possess daily commitment. People filled with the Holy Spirit, they will partner with seeing the plans of God unfold in their lives and the lives of others. Holy Spirit, what are you going to do in my life today? Who am I going to reach for your glory? What are you going to do in, in our family? What are you going to do in our church? What are you going to do in our church service right now? I'm saying that to him. Holy Spirit, what are you going to do here right now with your people? We're here ready to receive from you. And I'm not going to belabor this. I want to get right to what God is desiring. We're going to go back into worship. Seek God at these altars. And as you do, we will pray for healing if you need miracles. We will pray for signs and wonders. But right now, let's just seek God at these altars and just come with a heart of repentance, recommitment, and then ask God to renew us. Because guess what? His Spirit will empower your repentance. His Spirit will empower your recommitment, your action. It's not about humanism. It's about a desperate need of a holy God. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, have your way in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name, let's worship. www.momentumchurch.tv